to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. So I'm building up an argument. So let's start building. The sermon is entitled, Introduction to the Kingdom. Now, let's build the argument. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, and they were saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. Pay attention to those words. The specific words they used. Imagine they came to another kingdom, and then the words they used is, where is the person who's been born as king? Verse 3 says, when Herod heard this, he was troubled. Are you beginning to understand why Herod was troubled? If they came and said, where is the person who will be prophesying? maybe he wouldn't have been so troubled. I mean, he tolerated John the Baptist for some time. If they came and said, where is the person who worked miracles? Maybe he wouldn't have been so troubled. Maybe he would have also wanted a miracle. Remember, there was one of the heroes eventually who was so interested, he wanted Jesus to entertain him. You remember, right? He said, entertainment here. And Jesus did perform a miracle for him. But then there's something that he heard. He heard that this baby was born king. That troubled him. Now, him being a king, he had an idea of what kings were like, how kings were to be treated, and what kings could do. So he decides, let me take on this baby one-on-one. Let me deal with him before he gets older. And that's how you find that Herod decided that all the, eventually when the wise men never reported to him, Herod decided that all the children should be killed two years and below in the place of Bethlehem. Why? Because he was afraid that a king had been born. Now let me just reiterate that Herod being a king himself was threatened because the baby the wise man were going to see was a king and he knew what a king meant. Let's continue. Later on, they wanted to crucify Jesus, right? And now remember that even though the Jews wanted to kill him, they did not have the legal right to because Israel was under the Roman Empire. So to do certain things, they needed permission. That's why they took him to Pilate. Otherwise, if it were up to them, they would have just killed him. So they come to Pilate 
And I want us to see a very interesting conversation between Jesus and Pilate. In John 18 verse 33, then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, what was the question Pilate asked Jesus? Are you the king of the Jews? What was the big issue there? Are you the king? That was the big issue. What did Jesus reply in the next verse? Jesus replied, you know, Jesus had penalties. Jesus answered him and said, are you speaking for yourself about this? <laughs> Can you imagine? Or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate says, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Watch Jesus' response. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Imagine that conversation. If you're a pilot, what do you do? And then remember later on, his wife came. His wife came to Pilate and said, that man, I was troubled last night. As in the people from his kingdom, I'm paraphrasing, came to me in a dream that night and they did one or two things. Like, that man is innocent. Praise God. Now, let's look at this. Pilate now started wanting a way to release Jesus. So, look, let's look at John 19 verse 10. We're in the same story. John 19 10. And the Bible says, then Pilate said to him, are you are you not speaking to me? This is Pilate telling Jesus. And he says, do you know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus replied, <laughs> you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Let's continue. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. The guy just said, I want nothing to do with this guy. The stuff this guy is saying. Imagine, like, you power over me. He's like, you only have power because you are given. And then he wanted, he, he sought to release him. But look at what the Jews used to convince him not to. This was their argument. They said, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. What was their big issue? The kingship. So now Pilate was afraid for his job. Because if they went to report that he permitted a king, or somebody who referred to them himself as a king, it would have been a challenge. So what happened next? When Pilate heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat him down in the judgment seat, in a place that is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was preparation day, and I'm sure you remember what happened. It was preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, he said to the Jews, Behold your king. Have you noticed sometimes when you're doing a study in the Bible, you find, let's say you're studying on kingship, you start finding the same thing in every portion of scripture. You're like, how on earth didn't I see this? Has that ever happened to you? Imagine he tells him, saying, Behold your king. And what did Pilate have inscribed at the top of the cross? This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now, this already shows you that one of the biggest issues that was there 
in the context of Jesus was his kingship. Now, kingship automatically meant that he had a kingdom. That's why he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm looking for a root. Now, I'm still building the argument. I'm still building the argument. The greatest prophet that ever lived in, we can say the Old Testament, right? I'm not saying it to confuse anyone because the New Testament started when Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant. In short, the Old Testament preceded the kingdom. So the greatest prophet who ever lived in the Old Testament was John the Baptist. Now, this is not speculation. This is not me trying to hype John. It was Jesus. Guys, Jesus himself said that the greatest prophet was John. That's what Jesus said. He said there was never anyone born of a woman who was greater than John. Now, the question you would want to ask is, why would John be the greatest? Now, everyone can have their views on why he would be the greatest. I think I've got a very sanctified view. It's a very sanctified view. (laughs) Do you know why I think John was the greatest? No, it's not because he was cousins with Jesus. That's not the reason. The reason why I think John was the greatest is because all the prophets had an aspect of riddles about them. Like Isaiah just shows up and just starts talking about a person who they can't point at, they can't look at. Isaiah shows up 600 years before and he starts saying, look, he's going as a lamb to the slaughter, but he was wounded for transgressions. And they're wondering, what is he talking about? It's easier for us in hindsight. Can you imagine how, how difficult it was for them? Like, what were they thinking is happening? Like, they thought, As Isaiah fooled him, guys. Like, what's wrong with him? And then Isaiah is then going, by his stripes, we are healed. He went from future tense to present tense to past tense. So many things he said. All the prophets had an aspect of riddles about them, right? It feels clear now because we've got the benefit of hindsight. But all the prophets had an aspect of riddles. John. John just came and said, oh, he's there. John came and said, now behold, the Lamb of God. Like, the one they were all talking about, like, "Mm, there he is. (laughs) My job is done. (laughs) So John, who had the assignment to clear the path for Jesus, when he went about preaching, what was his message? Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. In those days, John came preaching. And what did John say? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That should be verse 2. So, the clearest prophet announced the coming of Jesus as the announcement of a kingdom. That's what he did. Jesus himself preached for himself. And I want you to see Jesus' first sermons according to Mark 1, verse 14. Mark is a very interesting gospel. It goes straight to the point. Mark didn't waste time. The farmer, no, then they went here, they went here. By verse 14 of chapter 1, he's already talking about Jesus' sermon. <laughs> chapter 2, I think the miracles already started. Ukuluk, he's not even yet reached the boy Jesus. <laughs> now, Mark 1, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom of God. What was he saying? Verse 15. 
The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We're building an argument. Jesus had an opportunity one time to preach a sermon to someone one-on-one. You find this in John chapter 3. And interestingly, I want you to see the message Jesus preached to this man. He preaches to a man called Nicodemus. The Bible says the same came to him by night and said, We know you are the teacher sent from God because no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus changes the topic. You know, Jesus was very interesting. He changed topics very easily. He doesn't start saying, No, you see, the skill for teaching. No, he just changed the topic. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I want you to notice that usually we end on the aspect of being born again. But when you read what Jesus was teaching, what was the whole point of being born again? So that you could see the kingdom. Next verse. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? A penalty is coming. (laughs) No, the penalty comes later on, right? When he said, yeah, a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. Then he says, if I talk to you about heavenly things, about earthly things that you don't understand, how much more heavenly? So now, verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's the whole essence of being born again? The kingdom of God. Why should you be saved? Because of the kingdom of God. What was Jesus' message? The kingdom of God. Look at Matthew 4 verse 23. What's the message that Jesus took to every place that he went to? Matthew 4 verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. When Jesus is promising the church something, and this is a part I'll touch on in the afternoon, Jesus has an encounter with Peter, where Peter had the revelation of Jesus being the Son of God, the Messiah. What does Jesus promise? This is in Matthew 16, verse 19. He promises the church that I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Imagine. That's what he says. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Guys, we need to understand this thing of the kingdom. When Jesus is telling us about the signs of the end of the age, what's the last sign he gives according to Matthew 13, verse 19? But Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations, then the end shall come. That should be 25. eh? And then in Matthew 13, 19, Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So meaning, if a person doesn't understand the issue of the kingdom, they will easily fall prey to Satan because they don't understand the aspect of the kingdom. Now, we've got a challenge. We've got a challenge. I've built my argument. We all need to know about the kingdom of God. But our challenge is this. Very few of us have been born in a kingdom. Majority of us, the only kingdoms we've been exposed to are in South Korean movies. Or in fairy tales. So if I ask you for a kingdom, what's the first kingdom? You you find someone is thinking of the kingdom of far, far away. 
And even some of the monarchs we have now, like let's say the British Empire, they're not really as kingdomish as they were. Where people can even go protest right now about whether the, the royal family should be still getting benefits. That's not, do you know the kingdom? Do people know what the kingdom is? <laughs> That's not really, really the kingdom. So I want to do an introduction on the kingdom. Because I think we need to know what the kingdom is. If this is what Jesus preached, if this is why he came, if that's the purpose for him coming, then we need to have an idea why the kingdom. Unfortunately, in my years of ministry, I've observed that a number of people have got a shallow understanding of the aspect of the kingdom. And it can be seen in many ways. It can be seen in how complacent people are during praise and worship. It can be seen in that. It can be seen in how people treat the kingdom of God like a democracy. Like they can vote you out as their pastor when you're not preaching a nice message. Imagine people have got like a gallery, like today I'm the happening one, the next week somebody else is the happening one. Uh, there's a certain independence which is not godly. It's not kingdom. Because in the kingdom we don't vote God we don't vote which principles of God we believe in and we don't believe in. It's one mistake that I was making when I first started uh, pastoring. There are certain topics I wouldn't teach a certain way. For example, I found myself being uncomfortable to teach on giving because I was thinking the people will think, and then there are those who say, and then uh, a man of God, Pastor Chole, rebuked me. He says, you don't call guests to come teach your children manners. Those are the words he told me. He said, you don't do that. And then, if you're going to have the same passion to teach on healing, because you've seen it in the scriptures, why can't you have the same passion to teach on giving? The challenge is, it starts from this democracy thing, where we think we can pick. Like, let's know, I just like Psalms. I've got no time to, like, read Romans. I'm just a Psalm person. Or for me, I don't pray. Me, I'm just a worshiper. You know? God just speaks to me only through worship. So, I don't pray. I just worship, and everything happens. My friend, in Africa, in Africa, there's something, you know, in all honesty, there's some things that don't go because you've sang a nice worship song. No, the battle is not mine, it's for the Lord. That was one battle. Did you read the other battles where they had to fight? That was one battle. Lord Jesus. Because we are drawn easily to a place of comfort. No, I, I, no um, as long as I know I'm going to marry them, I can still sleep with them before God understands. That's where you find that the Jesus in people's head and the one in the Bible, two different people. Two different people. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that? Well, like the one in the Bible says, if your right eye causes you to sin, black it out and throw it away. He didn't say explain to it nicely, talk to it, have a conversation, uh, take it out on a date and then slowly... No. As in the Jesus in the Bible, that's Jesus. That's not even, that's Jesus speaking. He says, black it out and throw it away. And he says, it's better for you to go to heaven single than to go to hell. Am I misquoting? <laughs> no, in all honesty, sometimes there's, there's a lot of selective application and selective reading and study of the word. I don't know if you're hearing me. There are things that I do like, let's say on a personal note. Not because I enjoy them. I know this will sound very unspiritual. I don't really enjoy fasting. I'm sounding very unspiritual. Ah, in a <laughs> I 
want like to try to greet us sometimes. Have you ever been on a fast and you feel it at nine? <laughs> you feel it at zero nine hours. I enjoy the benefits, by the way. But have you ever been, a f- and you feel it at nine, and then you start remembering every scripture after you have eaten and are satisfied, then you shall bless the name. God told Peter, see, kill, eat. <laughs> and then everyone is offering you lunch that day. And that lunch offer is only for that day alone. <laughs> One time when I was at Unza, I had put the people I was mentoring on a fast. So I remember I went to I went to visit in a certain room. I think it was Chongo's room. No, it wasn't Chongo who who broke the rules. So I reached and the roommate was also under my mentorship. And oh my god, you know, I'm not the kind to like look at food and say, you know, you can also put a plate for me. But that day, that food, oh my goodness. As in I saw this very nice steep one. And I was like, you know, I was about to say it. Then it clicked, oh, I'm fasting. I was like, wait, this is my main tea. <laughs> and then she just stopped like with her mouth like. <laughs> my point, ladies and gentlemen, is that there are certain aspects of the kingdom which you do because you have to do them. Have you ever had days where you're enjoying meditating on the word of God? And have you ever had days where you're not enjoying meditating? And maybe for you, you haven't. For me, there are days where maybe you find I'm studying the word and I'm dozing, but I need to study it because I'm in a kingdom and I need the word and I need it to survive. Or sometimes I'm studying it and it's over-rebuking me. It's telling me, no, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Only that day there's somebody who said something and you're thinking, no, but God, you understand, you know. And you know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is interested. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to puff up your ego. You don't find the Holy Spirit coming and saying, you want to ponder your way? How can they talk to you like that? How can they talk to you like that? Do they know who you are? Do they know that you're a graced man? Do they know that you may be edgemates, but you're not graced Do they know you? <laughs> That's not how the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is interested. You'll be thinking, do they know who I am? You'll be like, Jesus made himself of no reputation. Like, Holy Spirit, here you go again. <laughs> We're in a kingdom. <laughs> now, let me just say this. A few keys that I want you to know about the kingdom, and I need you to really, really understand this because, like I said, majority of us have been born in a democracy. Now, in a kingdom, number one, a kingdom is a territory or a realm. A kingdom is a territory or a realm that is under the rulership of a king. In our case, you notice in the scriptures the words used commonly are the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, people can have different theological interpretations of the difference between the two. But, you know, to be fair, no matter how much you study them, the difference is not that much. In essence, there is a place called heaven, and God is ruling it. And then everywhere where God has domain is the kingdom of God. So if God is ruling your heart, then your heart has now become the kingdom of God. I'll tell you this. There was a time when Great Britain decided to expand their territory, right? So that's why they came to places like Zambia. They came to places like Zimbabwe. And it meant that while they were in charge of this territory, when they were counting Great Britain, the land they were counting was not just in England. Zambia also became like Great Britain. It was now part of Great Britain. And that's why we had a governor from that side, and that's why we had a legislator from that side. And that's why when we come to meetings like this, we think we are smart when we wear suits. But that didn't come from the Bible. If it came from the Bible, I would have been here in a robe. 
I don't know if you're hearing me, but it's because we're colonized a certain way. We're colonized into thinking a certain way. Have you ever gone to a different place and there's a different culture? I remember when I went to Kenya, right? And then the people who were serving were shocked. They laughed when they heard that women knew when serving uh, maybe their husbands or respected people, or even men knew. But they were shocked to hear people knew because they were not kneeling, they were standing. And guess what? They had as much respect as the people here. But then their culture was just different. So a kingdom has a king. It's a realm, and then it's got a king. That's point number two. A kingdom has a king, and hear this, everything in the kingdom belongs to the king. So one name for a king is a lord. A lord is an honor. A lord is an honor. A lord owns you. They can sell you. A lord is an honor. That's why you call somebody a landlord. It means they own that land. And they can do with it whatever they feel like according to the law. A lord is an honor. Have you noticed? I know I'm going ahead of myself. But when people are getting saved, who must they confess? The Lord Jesus. Meaning they are confessing the kingship of Jesus over their life. And expanding the territory of the kingdom of God into their heart as well. It means he becomes Lord. He becomes honor. He's the boss. He's not just the savior. He's not just the nice guy. He's not just the person who gives you presents and healings and sweets. No. He becomes boss. He becomes Lord. He becomes honor. That's why you find sometimes people keep on getting saved and rededicating and backsliding and this is because maybe they like the savior Jesus but they don't know the Lord Jesus. He's the honor. He's the boss. He's the master. You do things because he says you should do them. You believe things because he says you should believe them. And if there's something I've been wanting in the body of Christ, it's for us not to have this inferiority complex. I'll give you an example. I love researching, right? I love knowledge and the like. You'll never hear me teach and say, you know, creation is true. Even the scientists have said, I don't need the scientists to back up for me to believe what the Bible says. Why would I... <laughs> What I will say instead is, you know, this scientific theory, I think I like it because, you know, the Bible says that's the way it is for me. Because we're in a kingdom, we are not inferior. Sometimes people get so inferior, they don't understand this kingdom. People get so excited. It is well. Now, let's, let's go on. I'll come to that point. So, a kingdom has a king, and that king is the owner, that king owns. So if you're part of the kingdom of God, then the king owns you. A kingdom has citizens. A kingdom has citizens. Now, citizenship, because citizenship can't be seen, but it can be experienced. Of course, there are certain signs that are given that a person is a citizen. It can't be seen, but it can be experienced. A kingdom has citizens. Philippians chapter 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven. It doesn't say our citizenship will be in heaven. It says our citizenship is in heaven. Meaning as it stands, if you're born again, you're already a citizen of the kingdom of God. And your citizenship is in heaven. So when they're doing the roll call in heaven, when they're doing the census, they call out your name. Maybe that's why sometimes when you're walking, just like, maybe they were doing like a roll call. You know what I mean? Now, just because you've moved to another country doesn't mean you stop being a citizen. 
As a matter of fact, just because you're born in another country doesn't mean you no longer have rights to be a citizen in your original country. When you're part of a kingdom, you are a citizen. So citizenship can't be, it may not be able to be seen physically. There can be signs of it like an NRC or a passport. But in essence, by virtue of being born in a country, you're automatically a citizen. And the Bible says in the scriptures that to those who believed in his name, those who believed him, those who received him, he gave them the right. When you're dealing with the rights, that's citizenship. He gave them the right to become children of God. That's why he saved, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's continue. Citizenship comes with benefits and responsibilities. Now the next point is the glory of a king is in how he takes care of his citizens. No wonder Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Because the glory of a king is in how he takes care of his citizens. I remember when we were preparing for this meeting, this meeting is... In all honesty, the most expensive we've ever had. It's three times what we did last year. And we've not even yet finished counting the cost. And there's a particular revelation that came. The first time I saw the budget, I shook. I said, wondering, what's... I said, honestly, I shook. For a second, I was wondering, why do we do this? Like, you know, I was like, you know, we're enjoying church. Church is nice. We all just come as a family and sit. And, you know, in life, it's not about... I almost stayed thinking it's not about quantity, it's about quality. As in, I shook the first time I saw it. And I went into a worship session. And I remember we told the church about it. In all honesty, it's been the easiest conference we've ever... Financially, it's been the easiest. We were looking for what to pay for. I remember the other time something came up. Five minutes later, I received a call. I just believe in your vision. What's the air? I said, no sooner had they finished saying, what's your airtel? Then I went, zero, nine... <laughs> But what I'm saying is, anytime something would come up with this revelation that's been coming, I would go before God and say, God, look, ah, this is your kingdom. You're the king. You know what to do here. Your glory is in this going well. Because there are benefits that accrue to being part of a kingdom. The glory of the king is in how he takes care of his citizens. That's why Jesus would say, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about how you dress. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. That's what he would say. I told this story in church. There was a time when I was walking to church years ago, the church that I was at. I was walking for a meeting. That day I didn't have money. And I think I was about 16. I was walking from town because I'd been using the money for going to church. I had a routine. Like I would be there like Friday for an overnight, sometimes with others, sometimes just maybe the two of you or something. And Saturday I would attend all the meetings. You know, that, you know what, they, there's a meeting at 10, there's a meeting at 12, I would attend all of them. Yeah. So I remember one time I'm walking and I stopped by Zamchik and I didn't have money and I looked and I said, God, can't you just drop a miracle 20 kwacha? By then 20 kwacha could get you two pieces of chicken and chips. I don't know if it gets you that now. Can't, can't, can't you just drop me a miracle 20 kwacha? I didn't even hear of miracle money yet. It was just my faith. From what I had studied in the scripture. Guess what happened? I checked my pocket. So, I didn't get a 20 quarter. <laughs> Can I tell you what I got? Yes, 
a word. Have, have you? You know, it can be frustrating sometimes. Have you ever had a moment where you've come to God like for something and then he replies with a word? And sometimes the word is bigger than what you're asking for. Like for example, let's say that that, that, that man here believing God for rentals, maybe there's a struggle, there's a challenge, and then suddenly someone comes, no, you know, I had a prophetic dream that you own five houses. Like, God, look, the five houses. <laughs> I, I received the word. And do you know what the word was? The word was, Fred, very soon you won't even want to eat here. Like, okay, we might as well start that now. <laughs> a few weeks later, my mom gets a call. Um, and it was one of her friends in the United States. No, firstly, I replied, oh, I know, like, after six, seven years, when I go to university, then when I start working, then I'll be able to afford, like, friend, very soon you won't want to eat here. So he gave me a word. So in all honesty, I was still hungry, but I had a word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And my mom gets a call, and it was the first sign. The call comes, and the lady says, you know, your son is very smart. Can he tutor my niece? I'll pay him in dollars. I just said dollars. I was gone. I was gone. I decided I'll figure out how to teach later. By the grace of God, she passed. Purely by the grace of God. When I say it's by the grace of God, I mean it had nothing to do with me. That's, it's, one of the most, it's one of those moments where I can say it had nothing to do with me because now that I've studied teaching methodology, if I compare to what I was doing, guys, it was by grace and grace alone. Grace and grace alone. <laughs> and I was getting paid in dollars. Anyway, 16 years old, two dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I was 15. Yeah, 15 years old, I'm at dollars. It used to feel good. Yeah. We'll go to the rest later. What I'm saying is, sometimes God will reply with a word. Like, you'll be fine. It is well. You're going far. And you think, <laughs> but if you can embrace that word, the glory of the king is his subjects. God wants you to look nice, nicer than Solomon. God wants you to eat well. When you, when you read that all these things shall be added unto you, he wasn't there talking about spiritual stuff. He was talking about the material things that they wanted. The glory of a king is to take care of his subjects. That's why if there's some of you who've come here believing in different areas, uh, please, here, don't just believe for spiritual things. Even the physical ones, it's fine. Like, we permit that, okay? So maybe <laughs> for you, all you need in your life, you've been having back problems, but you know they'll be cured if a cathetic pin just enters. Believe God for that. Have you ever seen those, like, where you are feeling a headache? Ting, ting. You're like, I don't know what happened, but suddenly I'm okay. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Let's continue. Nothing wrong even with believing him for a car. There's nothing wrong with the material things. The key is that you must seek first the kingdom. That's the key. I remember there was a time when something happened. Um, you don't mind if I tell you stories, right? The kingdom. The kingdom is interesting. There was a time, the first car I used to drive was a red one. Nice little red car. Now, I don't know that it was because I was not taking care of it well. There was a day the engine knocked. You know what an engine knocking is? Like what the engine does? Con, con, con. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and it like knocked on the road. I, I, I think there are a few people here who I was with. 
And my God, I was so frustrated. I made a very bad financial decision. Don't do that. The mechanic came and he told me what had happened. I was so frustrated with the situation that he gave me a three pin and I gave him the car. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I was never do that in your life. I was so frustrated. So I go home and I had three pin and my car was gone. I went on my knees. I knew what car I wanted. And then I began to pray. Do you know what my, prayer, my prayers were? My God, I just want to have a conversation with you. There are a few things I just thought I should remind you. So I started. I said, God, haven't you been noticing the way all the speakers for church, maybe that's what even damaged the car. We, it used to carry all the speakers for church. Like when we used to meet at Premier Hotel and the like, it was that car, I think Zaga's car, forgotten the other cars. But generally, that car was a workforce. It was, work, it was part of the workforce on its own. You might need to buy it back and give it an award. It was part of the workforce. I said, saying, God, all the places I've gone to. Then, do you remember Pastor George when we were at East Park together? And then there was that woman who, it's like she died. And then the taxi drivers refused to carry her, saying, we can't carry a corpse. So now, the, her workmate was panicking, like, what do we do? Because she, she, there was no life. I remember I was with Pastor George, I forgot who else I was with. But then we said, bring her in our car. We'll take her to the hospital. Guys, they put her in the car. Did we, we drove to the back of Isfa. But then the back wasn't there. We started. We spoke tongues in capital letters. I remember she was working for King Pie. And her name was Mavis. Yeah. Because she inboxed me afterwards. And then afterwards she resuscitated. And then when she did... Uh, we asked her where our home was and we managed to take her to our home. I, I still don't know where that area is. We went Kuma areas. We went <laughs> and then she was so dramatic. At first she was calm and then after she realized what had happened and how she like ne died or nearly died or something she grabbed, I think she grabbed my leg and said, Ah, Busa di And so, uh, for me, I brought it up as a case. I'm like, God, look at the stuff I've done in that car. I literally. <laughs> and then I realized I only had three pin. <laughs> From that three pin, because I know about the kingdom principle of sowing, I got 200 quarter, no, 300. I went to the man that ordained me, Bishop Benson Banda. Because I noticed in his yard there were many cars. Hello, I wasn't even like uh, playing around with it, like going this side, this side. I went, Pastor, I've brought this seed because I want a car. There are so many cars in your yard. So rather than giving me one, just give me the blessing that brings him. He prayed for me. And I'm, I kid you not, within three days I had one. Within three. What am I saying? I've used that example because the kingdom of God, now we may, you may not yet have all the things that you want, but I'm telling you, if you can have the kingdom, if you can have the kingdom, all things will just work out. Let me tell you what I mean. Do you remember a period of time when there was a guy called David and there was another guy called Saul? God sent Samuel to go and anoint David. 
Samuel went and anointed him as king in Saul's place. Saul had the throne, but David had the kingdom. That's why Saul could not defeat Goliath. Only the guy with the, when, when an issue came, it was supposed to be the king to take care of the people. How come David started feeling a cause? He even said, is there not a cause? Why? Because even though he never had the throne, he had the kingdom. Eventually the throne will come. So you may be hearing me and perhaps you've been discouraged because some things have not been working out. I'm telling you, as long as you have the kingdom, all these things shall be added unto you. Hey! Hey! Glory! 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 Okay, I'm telling you, you'd want to enjoy the word of God. Now, let's look at this. Citizens have to pledge their allegiance to the king. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Like he wants you to love him. Citizens have to pledge their allegiance to the king. Ten commandments are given. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Even gives the reason. I'm a jealous God. Like in this area, don't temper. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Citizens must pledge allegiance to the king. One of the worst things you can do is treason. Or you betray your king. You betray your kingdom. That is why be careful before you share on your social media about the problem with the church today. Be very careful. Be very careful. Are there some internal matters we may have to deal with, perhaps? But should we really invite heathens to come and deal with our internal matters? Listen, unless maybe God has given you a calling of an apologist, there are some who maybe God has given a calling as an apologist. Maybe there are others who just don't have anything to do. But be careful. When it comes to this issue of the kingdom, be very careful. Just be careful. Be very careful. And you know what I noticed um, when studying the kingdom? The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a man. He went far and he gave each of his servants their work. Something that I've observed about the kingdom is the people who find themselves in a lot of these issues, these, these gossip committees, whether at a big level or at a small level, they've just not found their work. They've got nothing to do. Observe any person who's bearing fruit in the kingdom. They've, they don't really have time to start talking about who's who and what's what and who's that and who's that and, and that. Just be very careful because loyalty in the kingdom is very important. Be loyal to your king. I love what mom said when she said, you can't go to her and say, no, with this matter, let's not be spiritual. What do you mean let's not be spiritual? I'm a spiritual being. I come from a spiritual place. My solutions are spiritual. If you come to me for anything, I don't have anything else outside the spiritual. That's the way it is. I hope you're hearing me. So be very spiritual. Be over spiritual. You know, there was one time someone came to me complaining, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. People are saying I'm too spiritual. Me, I, was, I was like, that's a nice thing. Can you imagine... In class, they're even calling me Babusa. I'm like, what are you trying to say about me? <laughs> what would you rather they call you? Hallelujah. Become so spiritual that when they want prayers at work, you're the one they call. How are they hearing me? That means you're the one with the kingdom. You're the one with the kingdom. A, a citizen must pledge allegiance to the king. Those in here who are perhaps of a much older generation, 
were observed that when Zambia had a one-party state, there was a lot of allegiance that had been pledged to the president. Some of the slogans that were said then by some people, right? Like maybe they would say, Bamulu, Lesa, and then here maybe they would say the name of the president. Uh, that's maybe an example that I can give. But in essence, you have to pledge allegiance to the king. The king must be your favorite person. The king, why? Because when, when, you, when you wake up in the house, you're like, wow, I'm in the king's house. The only reason I have a roof over my head is because the king has allowed me to be in his territory. When you like put on your shoes, wow, I'm wearing the king's shoes. Because the king owns everything. He can get it back. Wow, I'm wearing the king's shoes. You get your bread and butter. Yay. This king is so nice. But he can even allow me to eat bread and butter. You have your tea. Wow. This king is so good. It's time for lunch. You have your marinated tea. But like, wow, this king allowed me to be able to have shocker spice and to be able to have Worcestershire sauce and Worcestershire sauce and, and, and to be able to have green paper and to be able to have this so that I could have this tea. But with every bite, wow, this king is so nice. He didn't want to be eating tea bone alone. He also wanted me to be eating tea bone. You know, because the Bible says, man, you know, shall not live by bread alone. Won't you take any bread yeka? Oh, oh, that's a bad... <laughs> but it's like there is an appreciation because everything is owned by the king. If he wanted, he would come and just get it from you. He breathe oxygen like, wow, the king's oxygen. And he's allowing me to breathe in. You're walking like, wow, the, king's, the, the king has allowed me to have dominion over this, over this realm. Once, that's why I was saying that if a person is complacent about praise and worship, they don't understand the king. How can you be complacent about what's not yours? Imagine that. Things that have been given to you as a benefit. How can you be complacent about the fact that the king has allowed you to come to his place? Now for us, us we're not just mere citizens and subjects. We've even been given thrones. We can sit in heavenly places. He's allowed us to partake of the divine nature. How can you not praise him? How can you not worship him? How can you not pledge your allegiance to him? Now, in praising and worshiping the king, you're recognizing his majesty. That's what you're doing. That's why the Bible says, ascribe to God the glory that is due to him. So you're, you're, you're recognizing his majesty. Praise God. Remember that hymn, majesty. So it's not just a nice word. You're recognizing the royalty of him. Kingdom authority flows from his throne unto his own. The king must be worshipped. This I'll say a bit fast. The words of a king must be taken seriously. Because the government of a king is in his words. So Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4 says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. Who can say to him, what are you doing? And that is why if you don't understand the word of God, you have a challenge. Because the government of our king is in his words. Praise God. His words will produce a culture for citizens. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in other terms, if we're talking about salvation, we can really say that salvation is a defection from one kingdom to another. Look at Colossians 1 verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. I want you to read verse 13 together. Salvation really 
is a transfer from one kingdom to another. Now, once this new king gets you, it means, let's say you are owing the other, you are owing, you are in debt. That king is now the one who has to pay your debt because he owns you, so he owns even your debts. That's why Jesus became sin. He's already paid the price. Now, what if there is resistance? That's why there is the ministry of deliverance. Notice he says, if I cast out demons by the kingdom of God, by the finger of God, or by the spirit of God, then you know that the kingdom has come. Why? Because when a king comes, he chases the other one away. So you are saying, look, I would like to live for the king, but my problem is pornography. Oh, we've, <laughs> do you know the armed forces of our king, God the anointing, can chase that away. In essence, when you read in your Romans 10, we are told if you confess the Lord Jesus, meaning Jesus must become your king. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.